chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to welcome my friend Adrian Bracey to the show today. Adrian is a former NFL executive turned CEO of YWCA of Metropolitan St. Louis. Adrian, I am so excited to have you with me today. Oh my goodness, you are my sister. Oh, Lisa, we are it sisters. is such a joy to be here. I'm so excited, so honored, and you're right. We are definitely sisters. We are. We are. So, let's we've got a lot of things to talk about. Okay. So, I just want to jump right in. I just want our listening audience to hear your story and you've got a lot of them, but I want to start with tell us about growing up. Sure. So growing up was a little different, probably, than most. Unfortunately, my mom had a nervous breakdown when I was born, and she actually took me to my grand-aunt's home, which is my grandmother's sister. And so I lived with her and her, my grand-aunt and uncle, until I was about 10, and one of their children, my cousin, married Dorothy Brown. And I was about nine at that time. Well, A year went by, and Dorothy would pick me up every weekend. Eventually, Dorothy fell in love with me and said, we want to adopt you. And I thought, wow, 10 years old, what what does that mean? And I just remember being scared but happy at the same time. Mm -hmm. I remember that like yesterday. And I knew about about adoption. Uh, I knew that I had my biological family five siblings. There were three girls and three boys. I didn't grow up with them because at this time I'm growing up with my aunt, grand aunt and uncle who lived only about three blocks away from my biological family. This time my mom was in the mental hospital, but at 10, Dorothy and Joel took me to court and my biological father was there. And I just remember the judge saying, so Adrian, are you sure you want to go through with this? And I just said, yes, sir. And then I looked at my biological father, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is like, I was just kind of nervous because the judge said, would you like to change your name? And I thought, yes. But then I looked at my father and said, oh, I can't do that. So, Mm. um, So that was something that I'll just remember for the rest of my life. But it turned out to be an awesome life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dorothy, uh, I call mom, pretty much took me out of an area that was full of drugs and prostitution. It was in Liberty City. You grew up in Florida, right? In Miami, Florida. In Miami. An area Mm -hmm. called Liberty City. 
that's if you think of it here in in the St. Louis region, you'll think of an East St. Louis mm-hmm. type of neighborhood, mm-hmm. a, a St. Louis city, North St. Right. Louis city. But it was community, so I didn't know any better mm-hmm. because you know everyone treated everyone the same. We right. loved each other, but I learned later of the danger, mm. and unfortunately, some of my siblings fell into the environment. But I was taken out by Dorothy. And uh, unfortunately, after six years, I was about 15 or 16 years old, there was a falling out between my my mom and my grandmother. And so my mom packed my bags and took me back to Liberty City, but not to my grand-aunt and uncle this time, to my biological father and his mother. which raised the other five kids. Mm. So I thought, like, wow, I'm being abandoned in my mind, thinking, gosh, Mm. but how could you, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, how could you do this? You know, you love me, I love you. and But there was this argument, and so um, I stayed there, and I graduated from high school. It turned out to be the best thing. And now I look back and say, okay, God had it all mapped out Mm. because I was able to stay at the same school, Nothing. So that didn't change. But in going to school, it forced me to then look at the people around me. Mm. And so there were six girls. I can't remember the age. We were in, I knew them before. So in the ninth grade is when I really met them. But by the 10th grade, I wanted to be a part of their clique. And I'm 15 years old now. And so they allowed me to be a part of their clique. And that was the best thing in my life because they all went to college. We all went to college. We all supported each other. They had no clue that I lived in Liberty City because I caught the bus to school. And so that group of young ladies that are like so dear to me today, we literally text seven of us every day. I mean, uh, that's incredible. It's incredible from the 10th grade and six, seven of us, because it was six of them and me. And so to this day, we are sisters, just like you and I. Mm. And so, so that was meant to be. So then I, and they encouraged me to go to college, went to college, decided that I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. <laughs> but my counselor said, Adrian, I reviewed your transcript and your SAT scores. I really think you should take an accounting course. And I said, well, I don't even know what accounting is. She said, well, have you ever heard of bookkeeping? I said, oh, yes, they had bookkeeping in my school. She said, well, it's almost like bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did is I took bookkeeping and I never turned back. I mean, I took accounting and I never turned back. I love that, that you surrounded yourself. It's sometimes the people you're surrounded by. I think it's Jim Rohn. I believe that once said, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. That is so true. And you got in with some girls that had ambition, had goals, character, all of those things. Isn't that so important? So if you were to speak into a young person... It matters, doesn't it? It does. Who surround you yourself. To hang out Absolutely, with. you have to surround yourself with like-minded people. Yeah, that is so great. So you went on to major in accounting. So tell me during that time, and of course, obviously these girls were your peers. But you know, we talk a lot about mentorship, and what I see. And talking to women is women are just dying for people to build into them. And you and I have talked a little bit about this. I had amazing mentors. But tell me, I mean, how important is mentorship? And and how important is it, you know, as us as women leaders to be reaching down to the next generation? Talk a little bit about that. And what you're doing today does a lot of that, too. And that's a very good point. Women especially were just energized and empowered by mentors. And I started mentoring early on in my career. 
and it wasn't even career at the time. I think I was in college. But my nieces, I noticed that they were starting to get connected to the environment. Mm -hmm. And so when I graduated from college, that was my purpose in life, was to make sure that my nieces did not fall into this trap. So I started mentoring them. One of them, I went to her school. She was a senior in high school, and I spoke to the administrators, and they said that she was very close to being kicked out because she had missed too many days. Now, this is her senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. I was so upset. I went to her house. She's in the bed. I pulled her out. I said, pack your bags. And she moved in with me and she never missed a day. And she graduated (laughs) from high school. (laughs) So I started early mentoring. And so it's just critical because especially today, Lisa, there's just so many things pulling at our young women, Mm. our young people, men too. Just so many ways to go. And like you, my mentors were men. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in the NFL. And so I asked Jonathan Mariner. He was the CFO for the Florida Marlins, uh, a new baseball team that Wayne Huizinga bought and Mm -hmm. basically brought into the stadium that um, at this time I was the treasurer for the Jarabi Stadium. And so Jonathan was uh, my second mentor. My first mentor was my boss, who actually hired me into the Miami Dolphins, okay, uh, Bill Duffy. To this day, I keep in touch with them. Do you? I do. Oh, and that's it's wonderful. Been, I don't know, 20-something years now. But they helped to guide me. And so when I look at mentorship, especially today, it's more than just that one-on-one. Nowadays, I'm hearing that they've gone beyond the mentoring. It's sponsorship now. Right. So So talk about that a little bit because it's different. Yeah, sponsors. So that was not a term that I knew about growing up. You know, I didn't know what a sponsor was. Mm -hmm. Just a mentor was someone who would advise you and give you advice and coach you Mm -hmm. and be there for you. But the sponsor is different. So the sponsor is not the person that you're going to go to for advice. The sponsor is going to be someone in the company, typically it's the same company, that sometimes you don't even realize that they're paying attention to you, Mm -hmm. but they will go to the bat for you for promotions. For promotions. For promotions. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there are times when you don't even realize that they're there, that Mm -hmm. they're watching you, but it's, and that's why it's so important to always give your best. You never know. Even if you think people are not watching. Because it's not always who you know, but who knows you. Right. And so that's kind of the sponsor is to really help promote your career. Mm -hmm. And the mentor typically is the person for advice who Mm -hmm. guide you and coach you and lead you and steer you hopefully in the right direction. Sometimes not even give you any advice. Sometimes a mentor may just be someone you need to talk to. Usually they do give you their experience life, you know, things that they've gone through in life that help them that hopefully can help the Mm -hmm. mentee. But mentorship is important. I am actually the mentor leader at my church. So whenever, yes, whenever we have a new mentor, a new member join, uh, our ministry assigns veteran. Yes, exactly. So mentorship has always been in my life and it seems like I guess that's what I'm called to do. Right. Very good. I think it's important. So you kind of touched on it a little bit. But tell us, how did you get into the NFL? Because you were at the Dolphins and you mm. were the, what, the Arizona Cardinals Rams. and the Rams. I mean, you had you had a sporting background, yes, <laughs> but yes. you didn't play football. <laughs> right, I didn't play football, but I have three rings, so Yay. you know who cares, but that's okay. Yeah. So sports, it's always been a part of my life, you know, okay. uh, especially growing up in the black community. That's just something you do. And so growing up, it was different. You can 
play football outside until 7 o'clock or whatever. There was no need to be afraid today where mm-hmm. kids can hardly play outside. Right. Sports, like I said, was a part of my journey. Played um, flag football as a girl. I ran 440 track. Did um, you? I did, yes. Wow. In high school, I was on the track team. But then when I went to college, I was actually in the athletic department. So I worked for four years in the athletic department. So here I am again in sports. So then I ended up moving back home to Miami from Baltimore, back to Miami. I went to college in Baltimore and I'm working at an aviation company that I love. I'm just really happy at this point. I joined a national association. It's called the National Association of Black Accountants, Mm -hmm. NABA. And I volunteered as the student affairs director. I took it very seriously. Well, one day the chapter president asked me out for lunch and I said, okay, sure. Adrian, this is a secret. Don't tell anyone. I said, okay, no, I'm not. <laughs> I interviewed for the controller's position for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Oh, Twyman, yay. He said, I used Brian Hakerson as the reference. I said, okay, well, Brian is a great guy. He'll give you a great reference. So I get back to my office. I get a call from Brian. Hi, Adrian, this is Brian. I just got a call from the Miami Dolphins for a reference for Twyman. And I gave him a very good reference. But I said, before you decide to hire Twyman, you should interview Adrian. Oh, wow. I said, okay. Well, I did. They called me the same day I interviewed for the Dolphins. And that's how I got the job. Oh, you got the job. Uh, through <laughs> networking. Through yes. networking. So networking is also important to young people. It is. It's, it's, and it's, and I went, when I said it's not always who you know, it's who knows you. Because I didn't know Brian well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he recognized how much I was so dedicated to what I was doing, even though it was a volunteer. Here, I was so passionate about that. Mm-hmm. And so that was my in in the NFL through uh, NAPA, through networking, mm-hmm. someone who knew me. And Isn't so, that yeah, something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 18 years later. Lots of things in that that we can unpack. But we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Adrian. Yay. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about something so cool going on right now in the Nichols household. Allie, our wonderful daughter and the inspiration for Something Extra, is competing in the Dancing with the St. Louis Stars event this January. Allie will be the Something Extra for the night, and we need your help. Please go to lisagalenichols.com slash vote, watch a video of Allie's story, and get all the links to vote. Each vote is $10, and you can vote as many times as you like. All of the proceeds support the Independence Center, a community-based rehabilitation program for adults with severe and persistent mental illnesses. This is a fantastic organization, and voting for Allie is a great way to support the important work they are doing. And we want Allie to win. Pause the show, go over to lisagillnichols.com vote, and join Team Allie. So welcome back, Adrian. Thank you. Yeah, I want to talk about this. This is really important to me. This is really important to you. So in 2006, you were honored as a YWCA Leader of Distinction. And what I think is so funny is a few years after that, you found yourself as the CEO (laughs) of that organization. So talk to us about that journey, leaving the NFL and then coming to a a not-for-profit, an amazing not-for-profit. So talk to us about that journey, how that happened. So even before uh, 2006, I was on the board of directors, 1997 through 1999. So I was a board member of the YWCA, then a leader of distinction, and now the CEO. So it's been a full circle journey. At the time, a CFO for the Arizona Cardinals, not happy with my job, not happy with Phoenix. 
a board member from the YWCA came on vacation to Phoenix and took me out to dinner. And she said, so how are you? And I said, Tony, I am miserable and I miss St. Louis so much. And she said, we'll get you back. (laughs) So in the meantime, in the interim between maybe eight months or so or a year, I took a Stephen Covey webinar on writing your personal mission statement. And included in that was enhancing and inspiring the lives of women and girls. That had nothing to do with YWC at the time. That's just something that I loved. I've always mentored young women. Well, I don't know, eight months later, Tony calls and says, Joy Burns, CEO of YWCA, is retiring. Send me your resume. (laughs) And I said, Tony, I am a CPA. I know nothing about running a nonprofit. She said, we need a CPA. So I sent my resume. That was 2009. And I started my first job uh, with nonprofit August of 2009 as CEO of YWC. So over nine years now. Oh, my goodness. And it has been a great journey. But, you know, as business, it's not all easy. And I tell people nonprofit. It's not easy. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's uh, had its challenges. But right now I'm I'm having the most fun I've had in nine years. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're fulfilling your personal mission statement. Isn't that amazing? Every day, every day you're you're fulfilling your personal mission statement. And I look back at that 2008 and I read the mission statement. It's like, wow, this is amazing how I am doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember taking Oprah came to St. Louis and she had the old class. And I remember going to that. And I remember her saying that if you follow your passion, you'll find your purpose in life. And I remember Mm. her saying, sometimes the money doesn't always show up at that time. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the purpose-driven life type of thing, you'll do, you'll find your calling. And so that's where I am right now. I love that. So if you follow your passion, you will find your purpose. purpose. Yes. Great. And I'm an example of that. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I love the YWCA. You love the YWCA. So many people. And we love you. Love (laughs) the YWCA. Not to be confused with the YMCA. Correct. We don't teach swimming lessons. (laughs) Correct. But talk to us because some of our listening audiences may not really understand all all the things. I mean, the YWCA does a lot. So can you tell us some of those basic tenets of the YWCA and what they do? Absolutely. And this is a great time to just share this. We are going through a strategic plan and we will be talking about three S's that we provide safety, security, and stability for women. And you will say, well, how do you do that? Well, we have seven programs and those seven programs will fall under the three pillars of safety, security, and stability. And so I'll just name the seven programs. Currently, we have the sexual assault program. We have the domestic violence program. We have housing for homeless women. We have a women empowerment program. This program is for women who are single mothers. Typically, their salary is either at poverty level, but they want to get education in STEM or non-traditional careers mm-hmm. like construction, automotive, automotive uh, engineering, mechanics, yes, all of right. that. Mm-hmm. So that's what this program is for. And we give them a stipend to help them overcome some of the barriers, the financial barriers mm-hmm. that they have in going to school, like their rent, child care, car repair, utilities, tuition, books, you name it. If there is a financial obstacle for them, mm-hmm. we step in you to try help to them. Remove Absolutely, because right? mm-hmm. we want them to graduate. And the success rate has been astounding. I mean, 
these women are, are really serious, and they've said to us the main reason that they can really continue is because of coaching. So we supply them with coaching. Oh, that's wonderful. We, we just them. got to talk about that. Yes. yes, and so mentoring and coaching is so important. And so then we also have a teens program, a leadership program for young girls mm-hmm. during the summer. It's called Future Leader. And as you remember, we do honor one future leader at our big leader lunch that's event. Right. And so uh, we also have... Head Start, which is our largest program, and that's a program for families who are at poverty level, once again, with children zero to five years old. And so we give them the building blocks to success. So when they graduate from Head Start at five, they are ready for school. So Mm -hmm. we prepare them for school readiness. And then our racial justice program, and that's a program that it's a very complex program because it's called Witnessing Whiteness. It's a program that whites only can can learn. They go through a 10-week course, Mm. and they learn about cultural competence, things that you won't learn in school that you've never heard of. And so you you get to understand uh, what other minorities are going through. And so those are the things that we provide that people don't know about. And if you don't need the services, chances are you probably never will know about us. And that's been our obstacle is branding. Sure. Yes. And so I'm hoping this podcast, I'm hoping our listening audience will get excited about the why, what they're doing and and tell their friends, right? And yes. hopefully get involved. Yes. Yes. So if they wanted to get involved, if something struck a chord with someone, Adrian, what would they do? Well, first of all, there's a couple of ways they can reach out to YWCA via telephone. They can call 314-531-1115 or they can go on our website, ywcastlouis.org. Or they can just Google YWCA St. Louis and everything is right there. So we do have volunteer opportunities. There's a lot of volunteer. A lot of volunteer opportunities. Um, I'm thinking, what is it? Walk in her shoes. Walk them out in her shoes. Walk them out in her shoes. Yes, yes. yes. Where you got guys that are wearing red stilettos. Yes. (laughs) To bring awareness around stopping violence against women. So it's a serious topic, but it's a fun event. And that's Mm -hmm. the best way to really get people, especially men, to talk about these really tough issues mm-hmm. of stopping violence against women. Yeah, well, yes. I just appreciate the work that you're doing. So you are, there is a new initiative, though, that you've got coming up, and and talk a little bit about that. You're wanting to start a for-profit arm, right? Yes, for yes. So why? And it's mainly for sustainability. Oh, my gosh, financial sustainability is the key because, you know, you, you just don't know where the funding may be cut. You just have no clue, and so... You know, that saying that if you feed a man a fish, you feed him for that one day. But if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. It's um, a way for the YWCA to generate earned income. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a product or service that we can sell and offer to the public. And so I am actually, and I'm so excited about it because it's something that I know it's going to happen. It's just having the right idea or mm-hmm. the right the right model the, the right, right model, model for it right right, right service the, we, yeah yes. we talked about girl scouts exactly girl scouts have their cookies that they great sell model. yes it's a great model and goodwill they have the retail stores that's right and ymca they have the gyms so yes those are all earned income mm-hmm. so whether they get donations from corporate america from united way what have you they have that generated income and so Right now, YWC, our our largest funder outside of the federal government for Head Start, is United Way. And so we're so grateful to the United Way. But I just feel that it's important that we become 
financially sustainable, mm-hmm, uh, self-sustainable, mm-hmm. yeah. like you said. So diversified income streams. Oh my gosh, and that's the biggest thing. So that's kind. Of, yeah. So that's my new. Uh, strategic plan and it's exciting so I'm hoping if any of the listeners would like to uh, reach out to me Mm -hmm. please feel free again you can call the YWCA Mm -hmm. number 314-531-1115 and you'll be directed to to me directly. Yeah, if there's any people out there that this really resonates with and you've got great ideas, I know Adrian's <laughs> going to be excited to hear what those are. Yes, would love to hear from anyone. Absolutely. Yes. So I do want to talk to you. This is something extra, and we've talked about that a little bit, but tell us, Adrian. I mean, this can be something extra that you feel like every leader needs. If there is somebody in your life, past or present, that you want to highlight, what was the something extra in them? I happen to believe, and I know you believe this too, that every person was uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made. And every person has value. And everybody has something extra to give the world. Well, I tell you, that's a hard one because, you know, when I think of characteristics of a good leader, they're they're just well. Really we can have a few, few, few. something extra, <laughs> Some, a few something extras. Okay. Right. Uh, well, one, honestly, I, I feel that confidence is something extra that mm-hmm. when I see people with confidence, and I'm not talking about the arrogance of. I'm talking there's a difference. There's, there's a difference. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. Although people thought I did because Mm -hmm. I always, I think, act as though I did. But deep down inside, I really Mm -hmm. didn't. I think you really have to have faith in yourself and believe Believe. that confidence, believe that you can do it even when you don't feel like you can. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing. Compassion. You know, a lot of leaders lack compassion. And so I think being able to have that empathy to see yourself you know, maybe you've never been through that and it's hard to even imagine, mm-hmm. but to at least try to find a way to understand and have some compassion and influence is always well, there's good. an old saying that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Oh, that is. And it's so true. That is I mean, so your true. people need to believe yes. that you truly care about them as human beings, that they're not an object to. Just an asset. An asset, right. Yes. That, they're, that they're humans. That's it. You know, and I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard how it's been said that people quit jobs not because of the money, but because of people, it's usually. That's and so true. you said making people feel appreciated is yes. so important and uh, and caring. And so, right. Yeah. So those are something extra that I, I, I like, and I, I think it's that. just important. Awesome. So Adrian, before we close out our session, I want to give the listening audience just one more time, if they want to connect with YWCA, if they want to understand more, or maybe there's even a woman out there that may need your services. How do they do that? Well, thank you. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for this opportunity. And to all of the listeners, um, hope that something was said that would encourage you know, even one person. So thank Absolutely. you so much, Lisa. So if there's a woman out there or anyone, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's a potential donor that would like to reach out to YWCA, they could call our 24-hour line, which is 531-1115. If there's a woman out there who is going through sexual assault, she can call 314-531-RAPE. And if there's someone out there who wants to just know more about the YWCA, I would love for them to go to our website, YWCA.S. T-L-O-U-I-S dot org. That's Y-W-C-A St. Louis 
org. Very good. Well, I hope a lot of our listeners will go to the website because I just, I love the why, I love the mission, and uh, it's important work that you're doing. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Adrian, and we thank love you. you. Thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> we love you too. Our show today is executive produced by Brian Muncie. Our technical producer is Daniel Williams. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2018. For show notes or to reach out to Lisa, visit lisagailnichols.com slash something extra. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.